Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I want to start out today with um, just a statement from Bill Johnson, Bill J. Bill J. He said, the anointing of God doesn't always have the same effect on people. The presence that brings you peace will sometimes irritate others. So it's highly important, especially in this season, because what is God doing? God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. So, you know, I experienced, how many experienced the presence of God before three, before the age of three? Stand up. If you experienced the presence of God before the age of three. So what were the rest of y'all doing? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so it's not common. That's you can sit down. That's the commonality of everyone in the room is that the presence of God came to you not from birth. Most of us, you know, experienced his presence before three. We were probably there pretty early. And think about how much um modeling and uh you know, just impression making happens before three. So that tells me that you experience a different presence. And since I believe, and I'm hoping you believe, there's only two kinds of presence. There's the Holy Spirit presence, and there's demonic presence. There's not a middle presence. There's not a neutral presence. Everything that's not of God is a counterfeit of God. That would just be a good, it'd be a really good foundational statement for your life. And so how God moves and falls on people is, is not of your concern. Where are we going? And God's presence comes for the hungry. But. In this interesting season that we're in, God's presence is being poured out all the time. You know, I, I announced yesterday that we're going to be developing a deliverance ministry. And God spoke to me about it. You know, this movie Nefarious is out. And um, I'm not going to be seeing it. I think Lynn and her demon getters are going to see it. But, oh, is that you? Okay. Um I, I, I challenge us to think about how important the Holy Spirit's activity is at this time on the planet. You can just spend a little bit of time. Have you ever just kind of got captivated and watching something on YouTube or Instagram? And before you know it, there's just a bunch of bad news that you've been watching. And what does it do to your soul? Does it feel really encouraged and uplifted and you feel like you can go out and conquer a bear? Or does it leave you... See, there's there's a report. The Bible talks about it in the Old Testament. There, there's a report to believe. There's a report going out. There's one from God and there's one from the enemy. And that will always be true. And it all depends on what captivates your personal attention. Okay. Who am I talking to today? Because, uh, okay, all right, just checking. 
And so let's let's just um, establish a couple of things. Um, Galatians five says, "If the Spirit is the source of your life, we must also allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our life." That's really the goal of the Holy Spirit in today's world is that he's come to direct your life. Now, now Jesus was good. Let's let's look over at Jesus's prophecy, shall we? It's in John 14 in the amplified it says, "And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper." You know what the Amplified is, don't you? It explains what helper is right there. So we don't have to go look it up, although you know I did. In parentheses, it says comforter. What do you need comfort for? What do you personally need comfort for? What kind of comfort is this? Ever had grief? Anybody ever experienced grief? That's what you need a comforter for. It's not bedding. But it can feel like bedding. It can feel warm and cozy. Because it's a presence that enters your pain and releases what only the presence can do. Much like his breath. So the breath of God entered your lungs when they were just dirt. And it filled them to capacity for you to do this right here. Inhale, exhale. That's what the presence says. That's what the comforter does. Where's grief? That needs the breath of God, the comfort of God. It also says he's an advocate. What do you need an advocate for? Has anybody ever lied on you? Anybody ever lied on you? Anybody ever misrepresented you? Well, what the heck has been going on? Everybody raise their hand almost. What's happening there? Why are people talking bad about you? Why are people talking schmack about you? They don't know you. What's it feel like, though? Don't you want to explain yourself? Come on, anybody want, anybody want to explain? So I want to have a special meeting, don't you? About me. I want to have a special meeting about me. Tell you about me. What's an advocate? Goes to bat for you. Right? Have you ever had someone talk bad about you and then later they came back and apologized? You just had an advocate. I have that a lot. <laughs> People talk smack about me and then later they have to apologize. Right? It's an advocate. He went to bat for me. Intercessor. What's an intercessor? You're way over there on that table. And God needs you way over there. Something is in between here. 
That's a bridge. Like a bridge over troubled waters. That's what that is. That's the Holy Spirit. You didn't make the bridge. You couldn't even got over there. Remember what I said yesterday, the people that came to the healing training, I said that God pulls us, drags us. You had no part in your redemption. That should be really freeing. He drug you. By the time you ran to get help, you'd been drugged. Think about it. Behind the truck. A while. Did you feel that? Counselor. Why do you need a counselor? Because you don't know nothing. You know zero. You Everything you think you know, you don't know it. When you get to the point where you can say, I don't know anything, then you know something. So he needs to help you and tell you. You know, it's only sons that he disciplines. He doesn't train anything but sons and daughters, of course. So we need a counselor to help us know. We need a strengthener. Anybody need strength ever? Why? Why aren't you just virile? It's a King James word. Why aren't you just strong? Why aren't you just amazingly? You can come up against anything. You know, right now in this region is the greatest amount of anxiety there's ever been on the earth. Not just here, but I'm just saying our particular area has a lot of it. Why? It's the enemy's tactic right now. And there is no answer for anxiety but God. You can take some pills and you can check out. Take some addictive behavior antidotes, right, Lynn? And check out. But you can't get healing from anxiety. Because anxiety is the lack of peace. Who's peace? Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the standby. Oh, that's a cool one. He's the standby. What's he standing by doing? Wait for you to ask him to be come in. I just feel like this is the Holy Spirit's number one voice in my life. Put me in. I got an answer. Have you ever worked on something a long time? You know, we have this a lot being in construction. Pam and I had to learn to just ask way quicker. I mean, I have, Pam and I have worked on stuff before and tried to, you know, uh, 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 hey, let's ask the Holy Spirit. Shudi has the best story for that. Just happened to her recently. She was tiling at her house, and the faucet, we got this fancy little faucet, but it had this stupid little set screw. You know what a set screw is? It's a tiny little screw about that big, and you got to tighten it with an Allen wrench, and it's usually in some particular place where you're just like, like that. That's usually where a set screw is. That's why he called it a set screw. Set you back. And so... They lost it. The gray screw on the gray mat floor. Now, that would have been a problem for Shooty in the past, right? Being the over-responsible, she would have been having a meltdown. She had a meltdown later, but she would have been having a meltdown. What makes you meltdown? Just think about it. But you know what she did? She said, the Holy Spirit will show it to me. At least we've taught something. At least we learned us that. 
And she was saying she was down, putting in this piece of tile, just in this position. And the Holy Spirit said, look over here. And she looked over there. It's kind of like a game of Twister, isn't it? And there it was. Several feet away. That big. I was downstairs and I heard this. I had to send a text. What the heck is happening up there? Found a screw. I hadn't lost it, so my rejoicing was different. And this is what he said, to be with you forever. Let me read it in the Passion, okay? Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like he is to me, and he will never leave you. See, the invitation of the Holy Spirit is because you need a best friend. No matter what you do in life, no matter how great you get, no matter how free you get, the one thing that Jesus prophesied to us that it was better that he went away to be with the Father because he would send us something better than him living on earth. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And it says, he will never leave you, but the world won't receive him. That's an indicator of who you're talking to. If you know somebody and they say they know about Jesus, but they don't know the Holy Spirit, they don't know Jesus. It's a package deal. It says the world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. That's amazing to me. That tells me that the Holy Spirit isn't something in name only, but it also tells me that I can't receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, so I'm, I'm blind, deaf, and dumb to what the Holy Spirit can do because I have to know Jesus to know him. In fact, I propose that the Father won't even open up your ability to know the Holy Spirit without Jesus. Although the Holy Spirit's the one that's convicting you to know Jesus. See how a complete, it's a complete circle of unity. That's, that is what he's trying to get us to model. Is that perfect unity that they abide in. He says, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and live, live inside you. And then he goes on to say, in Luke 24, 49, he says, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you, so stay here until you're clothed with mighty power. Where did he tell him to go? Let's look over in Acts. He said, Acts 1, 4, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait until you receive the gift. Come on. That's the best scripture in the Bible to me. This gift. Who's the gift? The Holy Spirit. 
Until, wait here till you receive the gift. So that tells me something. That after I know Jesus, I might have to wait. What does waiting do? Who loves to wait? Who loves to wait? No one? Just me and Matt? Come on. No one else loves to wait? Part. <laughs> Occasionally. Part of the anticipation. You know, Sidwell's birthday's tomorrow. That's why she said occasionally, because <laughs> she knows me, and she probably knows she's not getting a rock. Right? Right? We have a reputation. We have a relationship. It's much like that with the Holy Spirit. See, I, I spent a lot of years knowing about him. But 20-something years ago, I met him. And that day, the Holy Spirit became my very best friend. And I said, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. But I will make room. In every place, I have the possibility to make room. And I will help others to wait. Wait here until you receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. He's, quote, he's relating back to the scripture it was, I just read in Luke. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it tells us that it's a different experience. Do you need any more scriptures to verify that? But that's a different experience. He was talking about how John baptized, and we, we know he baptized in water, and he baptized Jesus, and what happened? The Holy Spirit, it says, descended like a dove. Now, we could have a bunch of doves floating around. Have you passed by the, the plant? The new white birds are here. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if Mendel's going to tell it today, but she was telling us about, she was telling me this morning about I want you to tell it right here, but I don't have time because I'll mess up my rest of my story. But she's telling me about these birds that have come to our little plot called the cow. Is it the cowbirds? The gray-headed cowbird. And the brown-headed, it's gray or brown, I don't know. And these birds put their eggs in another type of bird's nest. And they make those birds raise those. Uh -huh. And if, if the bird that they've deposited their egg in doesn't oversee it, they'll tear up the whole nest and make them do another nest and they'll put another egg in it. I think it's prophetic. Will you raise somebody else's kids? <laughs> See, God's, God's call, the Holy Spirit's call is going to be inconvenient for you. 
How many are doing the same thing you did when you came here? Hardly any of y'all. Why? Because God messed it all up. I think Moo pretty much thought she was going to be a professional academy worker. And I was like, no. That's not what you're going to do. We have the, don't we? We have these things in our minds of how it's going to be. Can you admit it or not? But the Holy Spirit, see, when He comes with power, He's coming to mess up what you thought it was going to be. That's His intention. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to leave you a cool gift. Listen, think about the children of Israel. What was their cool gift? The promised land. What was in the promised land? It's kind of like a cool gift with strings attached. Here's your promised land, and there's a whole bunch of giants in it. That's still happening today. Our giants are more emotional, and they're more in our heads. How we believe. That's why God spends every day trying to renew and transform this brain of yours, this one that created the anxiety, this one that created the fear, this one that created the disbelief. That's why the guy cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. He absolutely know, knew he had both. He absolutely knew he had some belief, and he absolutely knew he had some unbelief. What do we do when we have unbelief? It's way different than what we do when we have belief. When we have unbelief, we try to get rid of unbelief with facts and activities instead of presence. Jesus went on to say in Acts 1, the Father is the one who sits fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. There's your reassurance that you're here for the proper time. Now, maybe you want to peace out early. Maybe it's too hard, but his yoke is easy. So an indicator that I'm not doing his thing is that it's hard. Because see, now when hard comes, I have a... I have a... Wow, so many things. If you would study that out, there's nothing right there that the Holy Spirit is that you, there's nothing you experience that He isn't. It's a better way to say it. Everything you're going to experience in life was found right there because that's the gift. That's the gift. The gift, it's not a gift if it doesn't meet your need as a human being. It's not a promise if it's weighty. Your calling isn't weighty. The moment you step into your calling, you make sense. It's unweighty. It's like clarity. I love this, what Jesus said. You're not permitted to know the timing of all, t of all things. Just being real clear. Not permitted. Have you ever had kids and you, there's something you're not, they're not permitted to watch? Good on you. You're not permitted. God knows what we, I mean, think what we would do. 
if we knew everything that our faith needed to reach for and it didn't have to reach? Anybody raised by permissive parents? That's what it would look like. (laughs) That's what it would look like. You're not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. Whose authority? The Father. The Father. The Father. The Father. But, he gave us a little bit. But, I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you'll be seized with power. That sounds good, doesn't it? You will be my messengers. Where? Everywhere. It says to the remotest, even to the remotest places of the earth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Seizes you with power and gives you power. Why is the Holy Spirit relevant today? Do you need any power for anything? You need this kind of power to overcome your own soul. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but don't you know how big your soul is? Is it a whiner or is it a victim or is it prideful? Is it egotistical? Is it manipulative? I saw this thing the other day where this lady had taught her dog to go get her toilet paper. And it had, she had hung a thing on the door to where it goes to the door and it pulls open the door with this little thing and hung on there and brings her toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, really, don't we kind of just want that? Don't we just kind of want, really, think about it. Just kind of want someone to wait on us. Kind of like someone to do all the stuff we don't want to do and just do the stuff we want to do. The stuff I don't want to do sometimes, though, it yields something different than always getting my way. You know, especially if you're raised by permissive. I should teach that class on the types of parents that we were raised by. But when we're raised by permissive parents, they did everything for us. And so they basically caused all of our muscles to be atrophied. Right? How many know they had that? So then when someone comes to you and says, you can't go to the emergency room every time you, your big toe hurts. Because God wants you to have a house, not medical bills. Then it's tough because you're used to going, taught to do that. I remember when she did drop the peanut butter on her toe. Her mom was a nurse. She was going to go to the doctor. And I said, I don't think it's broken. It's like a baby little cut. Like it barely needs a Band-Aid. What would he say when we went there? You bumped your toe? And he'd say what? Want a Band-Aid? And I said, I can say that. See, we're just not taught to be strong. And the Holy Spirit, I love it. He seizes us with power unto something. Jesus told us right there to be his messenger. If your life's all crapped out, 
and you know Jesus, then what's your message? Come, have what I have. I'm miserable, addicted, marriage is crappy, children are crappy, and I know Jesus. I promise you that's not being affected by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is power. You can't separate him. You don't separate him in name only. He has given you power over every single thing you struggle with. And he's giving you power to do something with your life. To be his messenger. Where are you going to be that? Everywhere when you leave here. I'm just training you to suck it up. And get out there and do it. And quit whining. I listened to Deion Sanders again this week. Me and Aaron, get us a dose of that. I just want to play it. I love what he said this week because this is, um, there's a small period of time where college football players, I know way too much information about this, college football players... Can transfer to another school, and it's called the transfer transfer portal 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 portal. There we go. Was that it? Transfer with an or that I can't get together very good because those R's get all jumbled around in there. Transfer portal. No. It was so close. Okay, let's try it again. Don't think about it. Just let it roll out. Transfer portal. So. He's got now uh, now uh, an NCAA Division One Colorado football team. They have around ultimately they'll have around sixty something players. Forty of them on the team right now are gone. Stepped in to the portal, and people are going whoa, except for one guy. He interviewed him. He said, you said this was going to happen. And I love Dion. He was like, yeah, I told him. And he showed clips of him sitting in the room with the running backs. And he was saying, I'm looking for somebody that when it's fourth and one, you say, it's me. And on the interview, he said, not a single running back said, it's me. So I thought to myself, it's none of y'all. But you know, the next thing he said, the next thing he said, he said, you don't know what I got coming in. See, that's the Holy Spirit. You don't know. You don't know what I have. And if you did, you would want what I have. And see, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's, in, he's that kind of power. So if somebody comes and says, hey, somebody's going to come to you in a couple of days and say, who is this Holy Spirit? You better have an answer. And so Shooty just shoots off some random answer, and the enemy's right there going, hey, I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. She's like, no, it's the Holy Spirit. See, the enemy don't play fair as soon as you act a little bit powerful. How many of you have had this experience? He's right there in your head going, idiot. Who do you think you are? Just last week you said, just last week you believed. Remember where you were last year? That's what he does. He's a reminder of crap. Just call him what he is. He's just a reminder of crappy stuff. All have crapped. 
giving you better language for it. Clearly, you need some. Now, after Jesus said that in Acts, they got together. How many? Come on, who said 120? Oh, girl, you get the prize today. Do you want a steak? What do you want? Filet. That's how it works around here. Makes you want to go home and study, doesn't it? Peter stood up. And he shouted. And he said, listen. That's what sanguines like to say. Listen. Calerics are look. Melons are why. Anyway. Flags are nap. Anyway, listen carefully. You need to clearly understand what's happened here. This is verse 14. Let's, let's, let's climb up and see what happened here. Verse 1 on the day, Pentecost was fully being fulfilled. What was Pentecost? It was one of this one of them things children of Israel did, right? It was a day. All right. Like a feast or a trumpet or what all all that is. Cedar cider seder, all that stuff. This was sorry, that was my own personal joke. On the day that Pentecost was full being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in various places. Where? Why? Jesus said, Go wait. They didn't know if it was five minutes or five years. But he didn't say wait there forever. That's what the church did. He just said wait till you get some power. The church was like, oh, we got to hang out. Let's don't plant any fruit trees because, hey, Jesus is coming back. I don't know. Did y'all do that? Did you do that, Gwen? I know. We did it. Colleen, did you do that? I don't know. See, we don't want to do that anymore. Do we want to do that anymore? No, we're done with that. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm, and the roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. I mean, the Holy Spirit likes to make a show. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. I got another little, I got a tongue of fire slide. Oh, oh, wake up. It's the next one down. Look, there's some, there's some tongues of fire. Do you see it? Look, look close. Keep looking. Look, there we go. Some, it's, it, it was a whole engulfing tongues of fire. That's why we're asking for his fire. What's it burning up? All my reasoning. Have you ever seen God fall on somebody and you judged it? You got to get low, don't you, after that? Because it's a long time before you feel anything. All you feel is your judgment. It says... They were all filled and equipped. They were filled and equipped. 
with the Holy Spirit, and then they were inspired to speak in tongues. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in languages they had never heard. Now, see, when I grew up, it was kind of like you almost had to get knocked out by the Holy Spirit. Anybody raised in that church? And people were in the audience were going, well, I wonder if they're really in the Spirit or not. That was our job, I guess, to sit out in the audience. And anybody been to a church like that? Some of y'all are going, what? <laughs> and see, I, I just don't believe like that. See, I believe that just like I talked about the language of the Son, the Holy Spirit has a language. It's just like English, but it's just a different language. See, we think we're so smart. We think when we're speaking in tongues, we just think, oh, well, it's not a language on the earth today. Well, you don't know that. That's what it goes on down there to say that. It says, they spoke in languages they had never learned. And at the time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands into Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was happening. That means that they heard it outside. I don't know about you, but I personally want something to happen inside where they hear it outside. We're just like, let's just do it right in here. So stunned over what was happening because they, each one could hear the disciples in his or her own language. Bewildered. They said, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? And they started naming where they're from. We're from Iran. We're from northwestern Iran, northeastern Iran. We're from Mesopotamia. We're from Judea. We're from Turkey. We're from the Black Sea. We're from Asia. We're from Turkey here, Turkey there, southern Turkey, central Turkey. We're from Egypt. We're from Libya. We're from the Romans. We're from the Jews. We're from, I mean, they just named all these places. And this is what they said. Yet... We hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialect. And they stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, What a phenomenon! But, but, say, but. The others, they just put them in the other category. <laughs> I love that, don't you? But the others poked fun at them. Those are the two crowds to the Holy Spirit on you. And they said, they're just drunk. Now you can go and read it. Because Paul, well, let me read it. Because Peter, he stood up. He stood up, it says, because he wanted to prove they weren't drunk. And this is what he said. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody. And I will cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. And your young men will see visions. 
and your old men will experience dreams from God. See, right now, that's what's happening, but there's also a counterfeit to that. Young men are filled with anxiety. They're not. What did it say they would do? They would prophesy and see visions. You know, most of my adult life has been spent trying to help people see that the Holy Spirit speaks different than they thought. Breezy's a great example. You know, I mentioned on Friday night we were going to start a deliverance team. Of course, she's very excited about it because she wants to cut a head off of something. And demonic, that is. And it feels appealing to her. Personally, I don't. it didn't feel that appealing to me, but I could do it if I had to. But if I've got her, then I'll let her and Pam do it. But, and I have her, so. But see, when she was younger, when I first met her, demons would come into her house. And guess what? When we announced that Friday, Friday night, they came back. But she'll have to, you just ask her. Her stance now about it is so different than it was before. Before she was freaked out. Because why? She did not know her authority. What are they coming for? They're coming for her kids. That's who they're coming for. That's why there's demonic activity. Because, see, we've opened the door for our children to experience the mixture of demonic activity. And then we try to stick them over in the church and say, learn something about God. And they can't wield it. And you just ask her, that's exactly what happened to her. While she was trying to be somebody. While her kids were just sitting over watching her on stage. She wasn't momming them. And she made that change. Why? Because she saw the value. It's the same conversation Lynn and I had over her number three. She had to make a choice to mom her in a different way. Because why? It's a different generation. Same thing she's doing for Rolly right now. You know, she she took Rolly yesterday. I, I called her and I said, your, your boy needs a Passion Translation Bible. So, you know, man, that old blue car just went pedal to the metal. I mean, it wasn't even like two minutes and they were at Mardell. And I was like, where were you? Like, I was thinking that was going to be like later in the week. And it's like, we're at Mardell now. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And his favorite symbol is the ichthus. So Mimi had to get him a cover with the ichthus on it. Does anybody not know what the ichthus is? Ask Lenny. Get his name on it. And he said to her, it's my favorite symbol. What's she doing right there? She's breathing. She's empowering a hunger. See, remember, parents, we're shepherds. We have to lead our children to the place where they can get the most nourishment for their calling. That's our job. You can ask Breezy when she flipped the switch. She changed from just trying to be somebody to actually raising her sons. I mean, her oldest son's going to work with us this next week. Why? Because he's way more mature than his age. We trust him to work in our business that we've had for 30 years. It takes a lot for us to trust you to work in our business. Trust me. 
Why? Because it's part of the empowerment. You've got to be around people doing Holy Spirit stuff to learn how to do Holy Spirit stuff. Otherwise, he's just someone you call on when you're desperate. Will he come then? Sure. But do you understand that's not the Holy Spirit's desire? The Holy Spirit's desire is to empower you to be his messenger, not just empower him to be what he is naturally, which is a comforter. You know, that word in the Greek is paraclete, like a parakeet. That's how I like to think of the Holy Spirit. You know, Bill Johnson says all the time, live with the dove in mind. Let me tell you, it's possible. It's actually possible to change everything in your life to live with the dove in mind. To where he doesn't have to wrangle you around because this is what he's doing. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon my servants, men and women alike. Men and women alike. I don't know if that messes with you. Will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. below. That's what he said. And he said, people, listen again. Jesus the victorious was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. He wants to prove you. To who? The people he's sending you to be messengers to. He wants to prove you. You can't prove you. You don't have enough power. You're not smart enough. You can't even sustain it long enough. You can't even be consistent in it long enough. But the Holy Spirit's power in you can prove you. And that's his desire. And part of that entire proving process, I love it, in Galatians it says, let me emphasize this, as you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you, say me, you hinder him from living free within you. That tells me I can have the Holy Spirit in me and I can be a hindrance to him. I thought we were having a worship moment. I was going to get into it. It says, in the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, I can stay focused. Can you? I'm almost done. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. It's simple. Lean, yield into the Holy Spirit. If you don't, your self-life will consume you. And if you don't know what it is, run down there to verse 19 and look at what the behavior of the self-life, he says, is obvious. It says, so then, I'm still in 17, so then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and your new creation life of the Spirit. So you wonder why you struggle emotionally 
those two things are at work. The self-life has to be abandoned and the spirit life has to be matured. Come on, Mendel. Oh, I love the Holy Spirit, don't you? I will never, ever grow tired of learning more about him, hearing more about him, and, of course, learning to live with him. You know, I love this, um, what Tisa was just sharing about the self-life versus the spirit life. And I love, I don't know how, but I kind of, it was just this year that that really struck me that the spirit of Christ will actually dominate it for you. Like it's not even up to our own human strength to make it submit, but just partnering with the Holy Spirit automatically dominates the thing that you want to get rid of. Like, man, that's so empowering. So um, that reminds me though, another, another interesting thing, it's called the self-life, but how many of you know that that's not your real self? Your self-life that it's talking about, the life of the flesh is a counterfeit version of you that you've been trying to live and you didn't even counterfeit you. It's, it's the nature of a fallen world that counterfeited you. It's the enemy that counterfeited you. And you've been trying to run with this operating system that is frankly quite annoying to you. It's, it's frustrating. It makes you angry. It makes you angry at the things going on in your life. And you can't figure out why because you think, well, this is just me. This is what I need. And the self-life is actually sabotaging your authentic self. I, I love the concept of the design, the owner's manual. You know, when you buy a new product and the people who made the product tell you, hey, we put this together. We know how it works. So here's the instruction manual on how to make this work. If you try to do it some other way, it's not going to work. It's not going to do the intended thing. It's not going to function smoothly. You know, it's going to be a rocky road trying to use that thing in some other way. And that's what we do. We try to live life according to what this self-life has been telling us from what we've learned in this world around us instead of what the Holy Spirit's actually said about us. And so it's called the self-life that we want to get rid of, but you actually join with the, when you join with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Christ, you begin to know your real self and your authentic self. And I saw this footnote in Romans 8 in the Passion Translation. It's another place that it says in verse 9, Romans 8, verse 9, but when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. But look at what this footnote says. It says, this is an unusual Greek clause that can be translated. If anyone is not joined to the Spirit of Christ, he cannot be himself. You can't be yourself unless you are joined with the Spirit of Christ. Can't be yourself. No matter how hard you try, no, no matter how many boundaries you put up, no matter how many times you tell people what you need and what you want, you cannot be yourself and you can't be at peace because you're not truly at peace unless you can be authentic and be yourself. So it's so powerful to know the Holy Spirit and to, um, to receive all that she talked about today, to receive it openly like the hungry, hungry hippopotamus. That's, that's, what, that's what follows that. 
Hungry, Hungry Hippopotamus. I think that's a children's game or something. I don't know. There's probably some other prophetic message in there. I don't Oh, Hungry, Hungry Hippo. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's eating some stuff, though. I was in Greece when that happened. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> yep. I don't really know that game, but it's a phrase stuck in there somehow. So I, I had um, a fun experience. It wasn't fun to begin with on whatever day that was, Thursday, I think. I think it was Thursday, Friday, I can't remember. But I found myself in, with this fear that I couldn't get rid of. And I got some help and I finally identified what the fear was. But to my surprise, at the root of the fear was once again, striving. And I went, it was a roundabout way and the Holy Spirit had to show me that. Another great thing about the Holy Spirit, he'll show you what the real issue is so that you can get some help on the real issue. So I started talking with Papa about it. And um, we can put up that next slide, um, Vinton. Um, so I started talking about to Papa about it. And the funny thing about striving is I'm realizing is that it sneaks into our definitions. Like I, like I said, I wouldn't, if fear had come in, I wouldn't have thought striving had anything to do with it. But really what was behind the fear was that I wasn't going to be able to do enough or perform enough or succeed enough. It's really kind of what was behind the fear. And so, and, but this was a fear or a striving that was for God. You know, that's what I keep finding is like, well, I don't want to strive to meet my own needs anymore. But I find that my passion for him and my hungry hippo moments, you know, my hunger, my passion for him, somehow striving just gets in there because I was trained in my operating system that if you really want to do something and accomplish something, then that's what it feels like. It feels like you're, you've got to really strive on the inside. And the Holy Spirit is so good because he won't let you operate with that kind of mixture in your definition. That's another one of those things I would never have known if he didn't show it to me. And he has to show it to me over and over again because I find myself, once again, believing that striving is somehow a part of it. So um, Papa began to speak to me about this, and he began to show me that my passion for him had actually motivated striving in my own heart. And so then, like a good father would, um, he began to speak to me to remind me of my correct my actual position that he calls us to. And so I began to, um, to write with him and I said, Papa, I want my gift to you to be enough in my own eyes for me to feel like enough in my own eyes. Let there be no striving in me, in my heart, on any level. Let my heart feel content and sufficient while sharing your passion and hunger. My passion for you, Papa, for Jesus, Holy Spirit, should not motivate striving in my own heart. I know this is true. I see now that it has validated striving in a sneaky way, but that is certainly not you. And Papa said, daughter, son, this gift of your heart to me, this gift of your entire being, this yielded life given to me, as a gift, is more than plenty. You underestimate the value of this gift you've given. You underestimate its eternal impact on my heart and my kingdom. Your passion and zeal for me should have no part in striving. When you surrender your life to me, you surrender the doing 
also. You surrender the striving of what you can or should even do. All of it becomes mine when you give your life to me. You have said you are not your own, yet you still try to bring me a gift all on your own, out of your own strength. Daughter, son, hear me when I say that you are enough. You are enough. There is no amount of accomplishment or success that you need to achieve. You are enough. You gave me the garden of your heart. It's now mine to cultivate and ours to share. In Holland right now, there are fields of tulips blooming for me. Their role on this earth is to simply be for me. Today, they are fulfilling their purpose in shining beautifully for me, simply by being who they were made to be, by being themselves, fully aware of their creator and his intended display of beauty through them. Yes, I have a beauty pre-planted in you, a garden of delight, an extravagant planting of exorbitant price. My only wish and desire of you is to cultivate this garden with me, to allow me to water each seed, calling each one to life in its appointed time, to prune and weed, to nurture and release new seeds. It's always been about the garden. It's always been about the garden for you and me. I never asked you to leave this place, to leave the garden in order to achieve or reach for some other thing. I only asked you to stay here with me, to be my delight by allowing me the time and space to share my garden of grace. All you need is here. All I need is here. There is no need to look beyond this garden landscape for anything. All you need is here. Just as the Garden of Eden was fully sufficient, so this garden in your heart is meant to be. I ask you only to walk in the coolness of the day with me, to share with me all you see, to allow your delight in the beauty to be seen. Praise and worship and inspired songs will come quite naturally in this place. It's not an act I ask you to do without inspiration or cause. I have always pre-provided a reason for worship and praise. I have always pre-planted a seed of worship in every single day. My child, you can relax into your design. Come and be my child here with me. Come and surrender your efforts to me. I've invited you to this place so that you could watch me on display. I've invited you to this place so that I can teach you every little thing. Let go of the definitions that came before me. When they come to your mind, ask me, if it even came from me, I will gladly tell you and realign your view with my truth. Many will taste of the fruit of your the fruit your garden grows, but it's not something that you are even meant to see. Your goal 
is not the fruit or seeds sown. Your goal is only to surrender to garden growth. Your goal is only to surrender to garden growth. I will do the planting, the cultivating, and the harvesting. I will distribute the fruit. You be the garden that grows. Be my delight, my own personal sunrise. Be for me what you see when you look at the sky. Be the display that I enjoy that inspires and moves me. Be my garden of delight. Boy, there is so much peace and joy and love and excitement and passion in the garden. And I love, you know, so many times when he's given me a word like this, I've struggled with, well, you know, we've got some people that are over-responsible doers, and then we've got some people that are under-responsibles that don't do and need to do. You know, and I'm always like, well, who's going to hear this? But I realized today that it's kind of all the same. It's really all the same. Because whether you're an under or an over-responsible person, whether you're overdoing or underdoing in your life, none of it should be done in striving. No, there is no call from him to come up and striving to do something out of this kind of anguish and um, a struggle, because all he asks us to do is to be active in the garden that he's invited you to, which is a place of peace and love and safety. And like I said, joy, great excitement. And then we yield. We just yield to his pruning, to his cultivating of our garden. So it is a place of it's being um just because you are not striving doesn't mean you're inactive, right? There is activity going on, but it, we, can, we can take this and make this an anchor of truth for us that if you are operating with him in any way, if you are operating with him in any way that feels like striving, then you're off somewhere because he will never ask you to operate out of that place. It's always meant to be a beautiful garden yielding experience that actually brings joy and excitement. Only he can lead us to be our authentic selves. Only he can, can pull the weeds of the self-life to reveal the authentic self, the authentic pre-planted beauty that's been embedded in you. Only he can do that. So Papa, I thank you for your encouragement and for your reminder of our position tonight. I thank you that you are breaking off striving in this room and in the hearts of anyone hearing this message at any point in time. I thank you that you come in with a fierceness because you are a father who protects peace and guards the sanctity of your process with a fierceness. And you will not let us operate in striving. You will come and shut that thing down so quickly because it is not of you. It breaks partnership with you. It breaks connection with you. And it is void of the love and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So I thank you that you are breaking, striving off, that you are severing all the ties, cutting the strings to striving in every aspect of our walk with you, no matter what stage of the journey we're on. Thank you again for this invitation to come and rest with you in the garden of delight that you've just asked us to be in relationship with you to walk with you in intimacy, to talk with you, to point out the things we love, to, for you to reveal things to us along the way. So I thank you for the great joy of your parenting, of your fathering over us, of your leading of us, Holy Spirit. 
We thank you so much. You have pre-provided all that we need to actually enjoy this life, enjoy who you made us to be, and most of all, to enjoy you. So we thank you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Papa God. And it's your precious, precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.